Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Today, I've got Jennifer Glorick on the show. She is the co-founder and COO of Leafy Legal Services. She's been helping entrepreneurs start their businesses for the last 20 years. She's been also a real estate investor for the last dozen or so. She has an incredible story of coming from the area of a homeless teenager to where she's at today. She's managed to put herself through college. She's managed to create successful businesses, and she's attributed her success to a mindset. That mindset has been a, one of abundance. And so today, guys, I really want you guys to listen to what Jennifer's got to say because she's doing it. She's doing what we're doing. She's doing the entrepreneur thing, and she's been successful at it coming from literally nowhere. Jennifer, thank you, and welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. Doing well. So tell us a little bit about how you get from a homeless teenager to where you are today as a business owner. Well, it was through my own mitts. It's hard work, actually. Um, I think it is, uh, I, I don't know, it, now looking back on it, it's like it was another person living another life. Like, I don't know even how I got through it. All I knew is I had 24 hours and I had to make it 24 hours to that day. And I just did the best that I could in those 24 hours. And some 24 hours were a lot harder than others, but I just kept my eye on the prize. I do believe that um, luckily enough, my early years, my form formative years until I was around eight years old, I had an incredible strong family. My family now, if you looked at them, you'd have no idea that we basically crapped out there for a little bit. You know, you'd think I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth and I did for a while and then everybody went to pot, addictions and depression and I ended up just being all alone, you know, and uh, by myself and I ended up in another state homeless and, and it was, it was, um, terrifying years, you know, but I had the base. So right. I did have a leg up on having the base. It's important to have loving people around a child where you're not beating them and, and doing horrible things when you're very young. And I grew up in a single, uh, my a single mom. So I didn't have my dad around. I love my dad. He's the greatest things that sliced bread, but she basically said, I don't like him anymore. So for a long time, she just wouldn't even let him around. And, uh, and he was a, he was a great dad that that was a bad idea. And I'm, and I know now that she wishes it would have been different, but even with all of that, I still had a good base of who I was and everyone has, I guess their rock bottom of where they'll go. So I might've been homeless, living in a bush, you know, lying just to get through college and do things, you know, cobbling things together left and right, sleeping maybe two hours a night. But I didn't sink any lower. I, I felt like this is just something I have to get through because I knew where I wanted to go. And so I would tell people, if you, with children, instill in them that they are worthy creatures and that they deserve, a, you know, a good life and a decent life and God loves them and God's with them. And I think that that really helped me through more than anything else. Because um, I saw kids that didn't have that and they came from a lot more. And they crapped out very quickly. You know, and that's and that's an amazing insight too. It it does when you look at those that have succeeded, whether they came from success or not. It mm -hmm. comes with what they grew up with as their own self value, and how yes. the people around them directed that value into them and let them know that hey, times are tough, 
but it's the tough people that make it through tough times because they pull together. That's really some great insight. And, and I, I'm sure that that is, that has helped you, uh, encourage a lot of others because guys, I don't know, uh, I don't know too many people that have a more inspiring came from the bottom story, uh, than that. So Jennifer, where did that, where has that taken you now? I mean, so we started out there, but you've, you've grown and you've had businesses. I mean, what is it that you're, what is it that, how high have you come from there? I mean, it's a whole world, a whole world of difference. You know, when I was young, my mother owned the largest employment agency of her kind, and she ended up running it for 54 years and then finally selling it, going through a really dark phase where it was really bad, you know, and, but she managed to hold on to it. And so when I was little in school, like even grade school, I worked, you know, I went there and I would sit there as the ladies had the, the cigarette dangling from their mouth and they would light it with the beehives on, I'd put them on an IBM Selectric and I'd set the timer and they'd keep that cigarette in and they'd do their typing test. And I would sit there in fascination, just waiting for that ash to fall on the typewriter and it never did. I mean, these women were amazing. 80 words per minute without autocorrect when they had to manually space thing. And when you bold a word, you would type the word, go back, click the backspace and type it again. And that's how they used to bold a word. I mean, yeah. and they would do it. And uh, so the idea of working and having value through work, sitting there as my mom would enter playing as my mom would interview people and, and, and listening to their stories of, I just need a job. Just let me feed my family. And she would find them something in our little town. So the importance of being of value, no matter who you are, has really stayed with me. Every person has an intrinsic need to work and be of value. So I, you know, I was a recruiter later on, got into sales. My mother has a very good sales uh, thing. Sales is, is a great thing when you're poor to, because you can make more money when you're in sales than, than you can anywhere else, right? So learning that was very good. And then I just started to acquire different skills because I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I learned that from her and uh, I spent the last 25 years being a business builder. I would walk into a company, everybody's on fire. I'd put them out and we'd figure it out whether it was their accounting program or everything else. And most people, most companies, if they're tanking, it's not their sales, it's not their widgets, it's not their brochures or their website. They're tanking because of HR. They've hired the wrong people. They've put them in the wrong spots. They're paying them wrong and they're managing them poorly. And so being able to be an outsider, when you're homeless, you're very much an outsider. People ignore you. They will, you can be staring at them and they won't look you in the eye. So uh, I understand, I, there is a power in that too. And so being able to walk into some, some place and be that outsider watching, you see a lot. And right. so you're able to, to see a lot. So I've been able to take the skills that I learned as a kid and the skills I learned basically on the street and take them into fixing businesses because I believe in small business. I've seen small businesses can transform uh, a small town. They can also tank it. Small businesses are what keep people from being homeless. I saw parents dropping off their kids at the Covenant House shelter, one that I would stay at because you can you cannot be older than 21 in Covenant House. And so it's one of the safest places for kids who are homeless like I was. And they would have a job two weeks before and then they would both lose their job and now they're having to drop their kid off in a shelter because they didn't want them in the adult shelter because bad things happen. 
And so I learned so many things of how it can go wrong so quickly if you have no plan or if you uh, think about money in the wrong ways. And what I was taught about money, save every penny, don't get any credit, things like that. Um, Really silly. Just, you know, it's, it's just, it's not how abundant people think. It's not how rich people think. That's not how they make money. They take risk, but they're not risk. They're, they exponentially get it back. Poor people are taught to be afraid all the time. You just live in fear that limits you so much. And so meeting people who are not afraid, it's amazing what else they can do with their life. And so now I had scaled an asset protection law firm. And then when that project ended, I had an entire team and I was like, this is our jam because we're real estate investors. And now I can help people not be homeless. I protect their properties. I protect their investments. I protect them um, because there are people walking around who do nothing but sue people. They use it as a lottery system, gambling hall. And so people come to me and I put the right entity and structure in place. And because I'm a business builder, and I know how to take people from startup to, to being you know, or fixing even established businesses, I put in a structure that actually helps them on the tax end. It protects them. They're anonymous. They're no longer low-hanging fruit for criminals who want to just sue people because you got in a wreck. And then they look up and said, oh, wow, your name's on five different LLCs. And those LLCs are attached to houses. I can make a lot of money with this. And that happens right. every single day. So what I do is I help protect that. So it all, that whole story ties in, you know, in different ways from what I'm doing now. What an amazing story too, because, you know, this is one of the things that I get to see on my podcast and, and that is the commonality in entrepreneurs, right? I mean, what I just heard you say was all the things that one person could say is what destroyed their life. And yet I hear you say, I took this building block of being homeless And I took this building block of being unprotected and I took this building block of being invisible and I created what I have today out of these building blocks that other people would have called disasters, would have called uh, the reasons that they can't succeed or I'm unsuccessful because I did this or I wasn't able to do that or nobody gave me a shot because I was invisible because I was homeless. Yet you've taken that and because of your attitude because, of, because, I mean, you know, we, we all have aptitude, but attitude directs us. And I hear you saying that because of your perspective and your attitude on what you had to work with, you've actually turned all of the things that one person would call a negative into the key building blocks of your companies. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think it's, it's, it's sad. I see in these gen, in the last couple of generations, you know, like, for example, living in the homeless shelter, you don't have an, uh, you have an address, right? So when you apply for a job, you, you want to give an address, right? Well, you can't give the homeless shelter address or they're going to, they're not going to hire you. They're going right. to think automatically when people get in trouble and this, and, and I think this is more a white culture than anything else. We have a way in our culture to say, oh, wait, there's a problem with you. You know, like you're supposed to be uh, better and and you're not supposed to have issues. So I'm just not going to hire you because that's a red flag, right? So it's like you have to be aware that there is this, this, we don't talk about it. You can talk about your story once you come from the edge, but we don't want to hear it when you're in it. Not really. 
Not, not, not really. And so what I would do is I would write out my address and then I would put an apartment number on there. Even though there was not an apartment, I would never tell them that. I would just yeah. lie. We had room number, so I would put apartment number, whatever. It would go to me if it was a thing, <laughs> but it was just a way to lie, right? And so right. they would never question it. For sure. Right? And so that's how I was able to get like an okay job is sure. <laughs> just doing that. So you got to just think outside the box instead of just right. – letting the, you know, and, and I wasn't angry about it. Like I could have went, man, that's ridiculous that they would do it when I need a break and I needed this. And then right. I could, inv- I could take that self-talk and then never get anything. Right. And instead and, I and went, that's, okay, that's a problem. So how am I going to get over that problem? Absolutely. We do not teach that anymore. No in school. We and, teach them to set innate. I don't know if that's an entrepreneur spirit or if that's just a conqueror spirit or a positive mindset. I think it's kind of a combination of both because you see that successful people don't think of these as things that are reasons that I can't. They're problems I have to solve to go to the next step. It's just a problem to solve. That's all it is. I've never heard anybody take homeless to the extent that you have as far as success and, and really just in your story, be able to exemplify how being invisible has led you to be the HR person that walks in and can see the holes in a business because they don't notice you. I've never seen it put like that, but that is, that is the entrepreneur spirit. That is the attitude change and flipping it on its head and going, it's not a problem. It is an asset. It is, it is my skill set. you know? Right. You don't have problems. You, you have things that you can fix in solutions and that, is a big fixing, one, I think. Now you're fixing LLCs and you're fixing protection. You're, you're protecting people. How is it that you're able to do that for a client? And give me an example of somebody that didn't do it. Oh, okay. So this is a good way. And this, this came from um, one of my uh, uh, advisors who does strategy sessions with real estate investors. She's got 31 years as a paralegal and has seen it all. So there was a guy who owned a shop Um, a business and there was an alleyway between this business and then another shop behind him. And so he could have had the right structure, you know, could have, would have, should have, he was doing it, I guess, as a sole proprietor or even LLC. I forget the the particulars, but it's such a, an interesting story because he just went and got a $5 million umbrella policy because he thought for his little shop, I mean, it wasn't like a big building or anything like that that it would be fine. And that's what a lot of investors do. They just go and they get insurance and they think five million, when am I ever going to use that? Right? Well, uh, one day a guy was making deliveries in, in the alleyway. And unfortunately someone came on a bike and the guy didn't watch and he ran him over and killed him. It was an absolute horrible tragedy. Well, lawyers got involved. The lawsuit started at 10 million and they, attach this guy's stuff, you know, whoever owned the building. And and in the end, you're supposed to have this type of mirror that was pointed on the side. You should have had a sign there that you didn't put that sign there. And that lawsuit started at 10 million. They ended up negotiating it down to six and insurance didn't pay everything. And it tanked the guy because he owed over a million when it was all said and done and he basically lost everything. Now, if he'd had the right structure in place, he would have limited his payout. Now, would he still have gotten sued? You know, what I do is I use the power of anonymity to make people hard to even know how to sue you. Right. Right. But 
in a case like this, if you actually are liable, they can, but it mitigates your risk to a, a reasonable payout. And the government allows for these structures. They're legal structures. The government knows it's you. The IRS knows it's you. Um, but you're able to be protected. And there's a lot of reasons people come to me. Some people are not real estate investors. They just own businesses or they want to go into business, but unfortunately their husband's a police officer. Right. And right now they're getting death threats. That's, so, yeah. oh my gosh, my name's got to be on an LLC. And, and there's lies out there. People say, oh, you can only get an anonymous LLC if you go to Wyoming or Nevada. That's a lie. I set up anonymous LLCs that protect people in every single state in the United States of America, because there are people who have restraining orders against someone. Does that mean you're never allowed to start a company or you, you can't work as a beautician anymore under that LLC because you're afraid your ex is going to come in and, and beat you up because they'll be able to, to look it up for free. So right. there's a lot of reasons people use these structures and there's correct way to use them and correct ways to set them up. And there's uh, ways that are not. And, the structures I do, you can't get on Rocket Law or LegalZoom. You, you, you're, they don't even offer that because there's a complicating uh, back end to it. And right. so because we're not a law firm, but we do have um, embedded agreements with lawyers all over the country, I have in-house counsel, we're able to save people pennies on a dollar. And I learned how to do that because I scaled a law firm. Right. And then when that contract was done and I had wanted to take them you know, to be national and that's not where they wanted to go but I had an entire team and I was like, we can do something really, really great here and save people money and get not just the established investors that have 10, 20 properties, but we can help people out who haven't even bought a property yet right. and have it be affordable to them. So this, this is what we're going to do. So I could have just end, you know, when that contract ended the way, the way it did, I could have went, Oh my God, I'm, I'm ruined. I have an entire team invested this. I have this and this and this, but yeah, instead but not I you, went, Jennifer, I know no. better than that. Not yeah, right. I said, wait a minute, I <laughs> don't have a non-compete. Now what can we do? We can solve a different problem right. and it's even, even be better and greater problem. And now yeah. boom, you know, so it's just, uh, I wish I could, if I could teach people that, I would teach that you don't have a single problem in your life. All you do is have solutions that you are uniquely gifted to be able to solve. Right. You or maybe somebody you know, yeah. you know, can help you. So, so Jennifer, one of the things that I hear you saying is that it's easy for a professional to do, just like the mechanic can easily change out a fan belt or, you know, a clutch mm -hmm. or, you know, a, a doctor can easily diagnose an illness, but it's, it's, it's complicated for someone who's not a lawyer to, and it's not advisable obviously to play one part-time and go to rocket lawyer. But what, tell me a little bit more about how you create the anonymous structure without giving away your secret sauce, but how do you, well, it isn't a secret sauce. I'll tell you what we do <laughs> is we set up your LLC and then we put it underneath an agent trust. And then we use a registered agent for that. So that's a little bit of moving parts, but how you run your business is now you have an operating company where you're paying your rents, your contractors, everything else through the operating company that does not hold assets. It's just your operations and you're doing your operations anonymously. And then where you hold your assets, that's a completely different structure. So you can be getting properties with hard money, loans, your name, how you get the properties and finance them are one way, how you operate is another, and where you hold your, your structures is another. And believe it or not, even though there's those three parts and people want to lump it all together, 
you actually only have two bank accounts, two EINs, and two tax reforms with the right structure. What people do is they'll listen to someone, they'll see a couple of PowerPoints, and then they say, oh, I want a Delaware you know, thing, or I want a yeah. series, yeah. or I want to do it in Nevada. And then they end up doing it piecemeal in another way. And before they know it, they've got five different LLCs, 10 different little things. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of money on the back end. That's not a way to run a business. Right. So the structures we use are very business friendly. It's easier for your accountant. It's easier for you. And, uh, but you have to have that mind to not just the legal end, but also care about the tax end of it, right. you know, and we, we have uh, partner CPAs we use that are very savvy and um, also are used to even doing with multifamily. Like, have you done your cost segregation? I mean, you can, you can not pay taxes if you have a good enough cost segregation right. for five to seven years. Right. What a difference that makes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of things. That we, so let me, let me ask you this because I'll, I'll just put myself on the operating table here for a minute if you don't mind. Beep, so beep, when, beep. I, when I do a project, I mm -hmm. put each project in a single-use LLC. Because we're building, you know, we're all ground up. So when we, mm -hmm. when we buy it, we buy a piece of ground. Uh, mm. I'm really secret about it. I name the LLC after the address, right? So all I have right. four or five U-Stick LLC. I have uh, 1250 Calspell LLC, right? But then after that, we build it and then we transfer it to a holding Come to another LLC once the construction's done to separate any liability we might have there. Then we have another LLC that's the holding company that the investors and I own the property in. Mm. And so I have right now, I have nine or 10 different LLCs for that reason. <laughs> I saw that look. I saw that look, right? Because I'm yeah. trying to create the protection that you say I can do with just a couple of LLCs. Right, right. I would do it in a different structure with that. I mean, I think you're very smart to, to do it in the LLC and to name it that way. The only problem is that that will take someone, they can literally sit outside it, go onto this, the website, look up that LLC, and they see that you own it. Yeah. So you're not anonymous. No. So I would, not, I would have an operating company that's anonymous where they would, it would stop there and right. then then that person if they're like i mean because you know for an investor just so you you know for anyone who's interested in investing and i'm not doing this to to, to scare you but it's kind of like if you were an obgyn i would say that is great bringing babies in the world and helping people reproductively that is awesome how are you going to prepare for a malpractice that's going to be eighty thousand or so a year that you're going to have to try to reinvest for that. Do you have a plan for what you're going to do for that? Because right. it's so, so highly litigious as opposed to, let's say a podiatrist. Right. So you have to tell them. So for real estate investors, your chances of getting sued go up from one in four sometime in your life for an average American to 95% in the next 20 years. It's not right. if it's when, so what is your, what is your plan? Uh, for that and it needs to be anonymous because there are people who will drive around neighborhoods and you're doing a flip let's just say you're doing a flip and you have your insurance on the flip right and they go by and they go oh look that fence is only four and a half feet it needs to be at least six feet for a construct and it doesn't have the sign on it and if it's and we know that this type of fence invites i guess vandalism and so you're going to make the neighborhood less safe 
And before you know it, you start getting letters from some person on the HOA who's like, if we can sue and settle, that'll be money for our HOA. That's right. happened. That's, right. a, that's an actual story. Yeah. And they had well, to and go and figure we it out. We all but. prepare for the tax implications, right? We always look mm -hmm. at what's going to happen to us tax-wise when we become investors. But so often we fail to look at the liability. We look at how we could lose money. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if, the, if the investment tanks, we look at, you know, what could happen if, if we can't repay the bank, but we never look at what could happen from an outside source because we all believe inherently that the world is fair and nobody would dare sue us for something that we didn't intentionally do, but that's not the world we live in anymore. I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe that, go on Facebook for 10 minutes and you'll see the world we, we think we live in. It, Ward and June Cleaver don't live here anymore. Well, I mean, and it's, and it's not tied to it. So like you have this elevated risk, right? So you're considered as a real estate investor to have assets or property. Well, that's, that's what people need to attach for a lawsuit. You know, a lawyer needs the law, they need the facts and they need recovery and recovery can is only if you can have a judgment where you can attach to something. Now you can have a judgment that's not attached to an asset, but it's a worthless piece of paper. You just have this piece of paper saying this person owes you, oh well. But if you can attach that to a lien to property, well, that's a very different story. You know, then you're more attractive. So let's say you're just getting to a fender bender. Well, you've got Geico, right? Well, Geico's not going to cover your businesses in 10 different houses that you have or two different duplexes. They're going to, they have a limited payout. So but you're going to end up 15% on my car. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they say, <laughs> but their lawyer is going to look at you and say, okay, well they want to go to court. Um, I, I think that we can argue it. Uh, I think that the camera, the way it was angled enough can show, you know, your side of things, but you never know with court. Right. right. Um, and you're out of pocket for us to go to court for you will be, let's say, 20,000. And then they put liens on your properties. Well, I was right. going to sell that house. Well, yeah. you're going to have to figure that in for right now until we go or we can settle. Because right. settling is actually the name of the game. It's not going to court because court right. can be a crapshoot right. for them. No. Settling, though, well, now you got to settle. They and can I have know, almost no case. Yeah, I know several people oh, yeah. who are who are in the real estate world that that is their whole game. They use they use lawsuits as their negotiation on price, right? You know, and so it's I mean it's not uncommon. But you have to know who to sue, right? If they can't find out who it is, then it's they have to spend time, money, and effort, and they might do that time, money, and effort, and and what they find is not worth it for them. Sure. Sure. Now, if you do something wrong, if you knowingly sell a meth house and you did not take it down to the studs and get it remediated completely and you didn't tell anybody that on a seller's disclosure and someone gets sick, you're going to get sued and you're going to have to pay for that because that's unfair and it's not right. But what this will, having the right structure will do was mitigate your risk. They won't be able to attach every single thing you've ever worked for your entire life. It'll right. be a fair and decent settlement. That's why you want the right structure. You want to be a preventative against people who use it as a lotto system, you know, playing a casino. Right. And then you also want, if somehow you do make a mistake, you want to have a fair payout that just doesn't tank your entire freaking life. Right. Because, and, and that's why the government allows the structures that, that we've done. But, you know, it's kind of like what Dave Zook said. He's, he's a really great investor that's a wonderful look at. He's like an EF Hutton type. He, he says, um, taxes are your fine for not doing what the government wants you to do with your money. That's right? correct. So they're, 
if you do things correctly and you use the right structures, you're going to be more protected. And some people, and again, this is mindset. They actually feel guilty about protecting themselves, guilty for uh, saving money on taxes and utilizing the law to the fullest. Yeah. That's the culture we live in though. That's yeah. It's crazy. Feel bad about it. Feel bad that you're not a sitting duck. You're supposed to suffer. Right. And it's like, no, (laughs) if if you want to feel bad, that's fine. Save the money from going to a wasteful organization such as our government and give it to a charity (laughs) and then you'll feel great. You know, give it to, give it to your local homeless shelter, your local food bank, uh, you know, or your staff, make sure that your staff is able to have a, you know, give it to your staff, give your staff a break, give them an extra week, you know, take that money and reinvest it in your community or just in your own business. Like I'm going to help the people that I work with more. I'm going to give this person a dollar extra an hour because I don't want them to go to a competitor. I want to be able to, to help them. I mean, sometimes it's the smallest you think, oh, well, that's not big enough, right? Stop thinking about that. Those are right. the hugest contributions you can make is right. helping the people around you, yeah. right? Even if it's just your own family and that because you're building a stronger base to prevent them from being homeless one day. I've seen it, these tiny little reinvestments into yourself, into your tiny little business or your little community can have such long reaching impacts, right. you know? Stop looking on social media for all of that. You know, you, you don't, none of it is real. Right. The only thing is real is what's like here yeah. in front of you, you know? So Jen, you've given us just a ton of information, but now it's, it's time to give the people, how can they get access to you? What, what are you, I mean, what can you do for my audience as far as, you know, getting them on this path of, of, I can't even say the word, anonymity, <laughs> of being and- anonymous. <laughs> I do that too. I, I did it just to, to let everybody know how, how cool I am. Uh, no, but how can you, how can you help our, my, my listeners be that person and be protected? How do we get in touch with you? What, what are you, what are you going to be able to do to help us? Well, um, I do a free strategy call with, with okay. people. So that strategy call can be up in an hour. I even do like mini calls, like only 15 minutes. Now I can't give anybody a quote in a 15 minute call because I need so much information from them on, you know, because everyone's structure is different, but, um, we do that and we have great advisors that work with us and we like giving out education. I mean, once you talk to us, we'll send you an ebook or we'll, depending on what it is, we have different eBooks for different things. So a California investor who's doing multifamily will get different information than someone who's, let's say in Texas or Florida. Right. Um, but we, we, we want to give you the yeah, information. If you're in California, we include a moving guide. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A moving and voting guide. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> but, uh, so Jen, where can we oh, find you? It's easy. Just go to leafylegalservices.com. That's leafy, L-E-A-F-Y, like leaf, legalservices.com. And if you are on social media, you can just do the at symbol leafy legal, at leafy legal, and that'll pull us up too. Okay. And then we're going we're gonna to put that information in the podcast so they'll be able to see that in the comments on the podcast. They'll see where, where to get a hold of you and they can get that ebook and get started with you working on how to protect themselves from those that want to prey on you and help you to build an anonymous asset profile. Right. Right. It just, it's just, we help people treat their business like a business and they, they need to assume they're going to be successful. So you're going to do what the successful people do. And it's a lot 
less expensive than you think it is. In fact, it's very affordable. So, you know, don't, don't think it's going to be 30, 40, 50 grand. I mean, it is with, with certain law firms because they have to charge 400 to 900 bucks an hour, not with us. We can get you set right. And once you have the right structure in place, growing makes it a lot easier because you're saving on the back end on okay. expenses that most people don't even think about from okay. accounting to structure to different things. Awesome. Well, Jen, I appreciate you being on the Real Estate Rundown. Again, guys, it's I've Jennifer Bork and she is with Leafy Legal Services and you can find her at leafylegalservices.com. Again, thanks for sharing all your information and more than anything, Jen, thanks for taking the time to give my listeners the mindset. I think guys, beyond the, the, there's wonderful information here, but Jen's mindset guys on how to stay positive and how to use every situation that happens in your life to be a building block for the next step, just like she can do with your legal services. She can take every situation in your life and make it a building block. Jen, I just want to thank you for being on the Real Estate Rundown. We look forward to talking to you again. And guys, join us, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, all the normal places. We're on YouTube, subscribe, and uh, get that ebook through those channels. We'll talk to you later, guys.